are a fool of a spook. <laughs> like Took. <laughs> oh, okay. I don't think he says you are. Gandalf says something. Oh, there's lots of misremembered movie quotes. <laughs> he didn't actually say, Luke, I am your father. He said, Luke, I am horny. <laughs> <laughs> and my ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, welcome to Ooh Spooky, the podcast about a book called uh, Mysteries of the Unexplained. It's a podcast where uh, myself, Adam Knox. Myself, Peter Jones. And also me, Luca Muller. Go through this book. Uh, it's full of 1982's spookiest mysteries. And we have a little clamber through it every week to find the spookiest ones we can and react. This is teens react to the... We're all teens. <laughs> To uh, this 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 book, ah, what's that? A Game Boy? This is old. Dab 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 dab. <laughs> I can't use the touch screen. <laughs> All right, the first story takes place in the realm of unearthly fates. A forestry service employee reported seeing several people in hooded black robes near Cove Creek in Blaine County, Idaho. This is someone calling in like a bunch of teens of an ethnicity that they aren't going like, they're wearing hoodies. They're going to rob them all. (laughs) He's got Skittles in his pocket. (laughs) (laughs) One day in September 1975, the following day, a number of mutilated cattle were found in the area and police launched an unsuccessful search for the supposed cultists. On October 9th, the motorist told police that he'd been driving along US Highway 95 in northern Idaho at about 3.30 a.m. when he encountered some 15 masked people forming a roadblock with linked arms. He managed to turn his car around and escape. Jeez. How spooky is that? That is pretty spooky. Yeah, that's spooky. That story, I don't know if we've talked about this before <laughs> with a similar thing, where the story where they pretend to, they set up a fake car crash. So that you stop and try to help, and then oh, they rob you. Oh, no. So it's like the dead, but they, they act dead on the road. That's cool. And then they stand up and rob you once you get Is that from it. Red Dead Redemption? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's one of, yeah, do you remember that old spooky story where uh, a cowboy is uh, robbing? To, what else happens? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to herd sheep. I don't know, you buy a hat? Yeah. <laughs> do you remember when you buy the longest coat you could find? <laughs> I made all my guns and shit black in that game, and I walked That's around cool. being cool. like, oh, I'm fucking Clint Eastwood. Get I, out of here. I would alternate. I'd make with, like black with silver trim, and then I'd go like all white, be like, like a good cowboy. And <laughs> what I would do is I'd go to the clothes store and I'd buy the clothes and then I'd kill the guy and take my money back. <laughs> oh, damn, that's smart. You could do that in real life. Yeah, I do do that in real life. <laughs> I All right. love the part in that story where it's like the police were looking for the cultists but couldn't find them. It's like, they're not still wearing the hoods. <laughs> <laughs> we're out there and there is nobody here linking arms on this road. We are out of ideas. Where That's- are they? They've moved. <laughs> do we have to do the, the traffic interruption part of the cult today? <laughs> I really feel like that isn't particularly religious. <laughs> Why do... Okay, so and I like the idea also that it, the cultists who are linking arms and blocking the highway, which is super creepy. Yeah. Although, unless the guy just speeds straight through them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, we didn't realise how little power we had here. (laughs) And they had no plan for if he just turns around. (laughs) They're like, oh. Oh, You get 15 more cultists to go in and block him on the other end. Yeah, once he gets close, you you go on the other side. Yeah, yeah. And then you you link around and it's hands around this cunt. (laughs) But I'd also like if these particular linking (gasps) arm people are not related to the cattle mutilation. 
Well, I feel it's like just a coincidence. None of the things that are, they think are related to the cattle mutilation, other than a wolf, is ever related to the cattle mutilation. You don't think people are mutilating cattle out there? Uh, cattles. Cattles. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you got two groups of cattle. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, cultists in the seven or like <coughs> there seemed to be a bit of a. You're right. A bit of a a, a stretch. Why? Why do they cattle. do that? Why are people mutilating cattles? Is there some sort of cult reason that connected to the demons if you cut the cow's head off or whatever? I guess, yeah, if for you're going to sacrifice, it? sacrifice or some shit. Yeah, and it's the maybe. easiest animal to get your hands on. Yeah, for sure. Like, if you're trying to do some slow. sort of blood thing. Yeah. yeah. You don't have to break into a coop. You don't have to <laughs> chase them down. And you can also, like, mutilate them and then, like, Feed the rest of the cult afterwards. True. You kill it, take out its heart, cut off its ear. You're like, also steaks. (laughs) Maybe this cult was trying to reduce carbon emissions Mm. and farmed animals are one of the highest contributors to global carbon emissions. And cars also contribute. These guys are heroes. (laughs) Black is the easiest color to produce clothes in without having to ruin the environment. You serious? I don't know. You probably don't need to dye it though. Fabric is naturally <laughs> black, yes. But then you go to an abattoir and be like, there must be a cult around. <laughs> <laughs> They're all wearing wide overalls and face masks. <laughs> Big gumboots. Yeah, well, they, the fact that I think it might have been the clan at night. <laughs> he was just confused by the darkness at nighttime where he's just like, ooh. Yeah, because yeah. uh, uh, whatever, hood, hood people doing nothing essentially there. All right, this next story is from In the Realm of Miracles. I mean, not nothing, I- Mutilated a bunch of cattle, and they also freaked they? out a driver. Yeah, they were never able to tie them to the cattle mutilation. Someone so definitely just... able to tie them to their arms together. Yeah, <laughs> to block the road like weirdos. Maybe a cow was just walking. They tried to block the cow off, and the cow was so freaked out that he got himself caught in some barbed wire. <laughs> Maybe they were just line dancing and got caught. <laughs> like, uh, wait, this is embarrassing. Kill that cow. It was just. I don't a, know what I'm telling anyone. It was Lord of the Dance. So just let. Uh-oh. <laughs> Someone just lost their wedding ring on the road And they were like, we'll form a big line and look <laughs> Everyone look down Everyone do an emu, Bob <laughs> One time I went swimming with um, in the river With my brother and his wife and my girlfriend And my brother's wedding ring came off in the river which Why is- did he have it on in the river? I what do you guess mean? You just wear it everywhere. Um, you, when you're in the river, you ain't married no more. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happens in the river stays in the river. Yeah, how's it going to fuck a fish if his wedding ring's on? <laughs> <laughs> and it came off in like the brown-ass river, the, the brown-ass dirt. Um, and so we were doing that for half an hour or something, trying to like feel along. And it, we all were like, there's no fucking way we're going to find it. And then we found it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Just a, it was crazy. They're meant to be together. Yep. If he couldn't find that wedding ring, they would have had to get divorced. Then <laughs> he would have been like, "Oh well, I guess it's gone forever." <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen one of those videos where someone proposes at like the top of a waterfall, and it's a very beautiful looking place to propose? Like mm. it, it's very romantic, but then they drop the fucking ring oh, I while seen they're that. like proposing I on don't a boat. Want to see that. Oh, it's heartbreaking it because sucks. everyone there goes like, "Oh no." <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Except for one guy. He's like, yes. <laughs> Back in the game. <laughs> Glad I filmed this. <laughs> Funniest home videos. Here I come. <laughs> boy, boy, boy. Oh, no. <laughs> Vaseline up the ring before. He can... There you go, mate. Give that a go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This next story is from In the Realm of Miracles. To spend the winter in a cave amidst the snows. <laughs> huh? The snows? 
amidst the snows at an altitude that very this is all a quote from somebody. Oh, okay. At an altitude is it from you because it says snows like cattle. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's from That's someone your, else. Your new character is man who doesn't know how to pluralize. <laughs> Sorry, men who doesn't know how to pluralize. <laughs> yeah, great, very good. <laughs> at an altitude that varies between eleven thousand and eighteen thousand feet, clad in a thin garment or even naked. And escape freezing is a somewhat difficult achievement. I'm so lost. <laughs> I'll start again. Right. It's hard to be in a cold cave. Is the yeah 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 <laughs> to spend the winter in the cave amidst the snows at a high altitude, <laughs> clad in nothing or even naked, is yeah. difficult. Jesus. If you're naked in the cold, it might be chilly. Got it. Observed Alexandra David Neal. Great in, observation. Yeah, <laughs> in the late 1920s. Fuck well, it. You know you can't be actually cold naked in a cold cave. <laughs> if I was naked up here, I'd be colder. Naked right. or wearing not many clothes. <laughs> Fucking idiot. Kept telling him he was a dumbass. By the way, I said the name was Alexandra. It's Alexandra. Oh, but you I said, you said David Alexandra. Is the name. I assumed you missed Alexandra it. David Neal. David Neal is a surname. Yes, there are a lot of uh, male first names in her ooh. surname, but her first name is Alexandra. Well, sorry, she's a dumbass, and everyone <laughs> kept telling her she was a dumbass, so she learned some bigger words, yeah, yeah. but still had really dumb observations. Forsooth. Thus kettle, whenst boiled, is hotter than twain the pits of hell. (laughs) And yet, she wrote, numbers of Tibetan hermits go safely each year through this ordeal. In her book about 14 years, in her book about the 14 years she spent in Tibet, she gives an account of the art of warming oneself without fire up in the snows. (laughs) (laughs) A whole book of describing rubbing your hands together. (laughs) And just going... <laughs> oh, oh fuck it's cold <laughs> The art of finding a scarf Yeah <laughs> Wearing clothes <laughs> The endurance of these monks She said Is ascribed to the power with Which they have acquired To generate tumu uh, She went on to explain The word tumu There's no need <laughs> <laughs> The word tumu uh, Signifies heat Warmth But is not used In Tibetan language To express ordinary heat Or warmth It is a technical term Of mystic terminology it is kept secret by the llamas who teach it, and they <laughs> never not funny. <laughs> it's never not funny that you're thinking of oh, uh, actual llamas teaching people about Tomo. <laughs> yeah. The alpacas who were the student assistants. <laughs> I reckon if you got another word for mystical heat slash warmth, come up with another word for people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone was making fun of llamas, so they're called toucans now. <laughs> Uh, I like the idea. Yeah, it's just one of those classic uh, 70s British sitcoms misunderstandings. Like, now I'm going to go talk to the llama. Hang on. (laughs) No, no. You take care of the llama and I'm going to go talk to the llama. Now, which one are you going to take care of? (laughs) I'm going to teach the llama to move. A cow? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go talk to the llama. Right, I'll go get the mystic. No, no, no. Llama. I'll pack her. No, how are you going to fit a mystic in a suitcase? (laughs) You're not going to pack her at all. Alpaca. <laughs> Alpaca llama. What? <laughs> exactly. We don't need two. <laughs> now, the llama, yes, <laughs> is an alpaca. Correct. <laughs> what? No, no, no. Dalai Lama. No, he doesn't need salami. We don't need to go and get any salami from the bloody Dalai. <laughs> Dalai. Uh, it was a bit of a stretch. <laughs> Now the llama who's a llama is actually an alpaca Right Uh oh The llama's been reincarnated inside an alpaca Actually that'll make it easier (laughs) 
Alpaca, barely know her. <laughs> it is kept secret by the llamas who teach it, and they do not fail to declare the, that information gathered by hearsay or reading is without any practical result if one has not been personally taught and trained by a master who is kept an adept. Christ Almighty, she can't freaking write. <laughs> Sometimes a kind of examination concludes the training of the Tumu students. Upon a frosty winter, winter night, those who think themselves capable of victoriously enduring the test are led to the shore of the river or lake. If all the streams are frozen, a hole is made in the ice. A moonlight night with a hard wind blowing is chosen. The neophytes sit on the ground cross-legged and naked. Sheets are dipped in the icy water. Each man wraps himself in one of them and must dry it on his body. Uh, they're losing a lot of llamas this week. <laughs> <laughs> Who's doing the first test? It's like, all right, well, I'm just going to... You sit there naked on the ice now. <laughs> and now you cover yourself in this freezing cold blanket and make it warm. Yeah. Okay, now you are dead. Now the next one... <laughs> the secret to teaching people is just to go through enough people that some of them are naturally less... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's just evolution. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're all the most warm people <laughs> survive. It is said that some dry as many as 40 sheets in one night. One should perhaps make large allowances for exaggeration or perhaps for the size of the sheets, which in some cases may be so small as to be symbolical. <laughs> symbolical. Symbolical. <laughs> yep, symbolical. Damn. Uh, yet I have seen some uh, respers dry a number of pieces of clothing the size of a large shawl. Respers wear but a single cotton garment in all seasons at any altitude. It is difficult for us to get a perfectly correct idea about the extent of the results obtains, obtained through Tumo training, but some of these feats are genuine. Hermits really do live naked, wearing one single thin garment during the whole winter of the high regions I have mentioned. I like the idea of someone just checking. There's like popping in on a hermit. It's like, <laughs> I've heard word that the hermits up here are naked. Well, you go have a look and see if he's up. <laughs> yeah, they keep just bursting in on them while they think they're alone. What are you doing? <laughs> It's cold out. That's why I'm looking like this. <laughs> They're also always jerking off. <laughs> if you were a hermit, of course. I've got to stay warm. <laughs> I'm very lonely up here. There's nothing warmer than cum. <laughs> I'm literally a hermit. Stop poking your head in. I picked this cave because it's away from the rest. How'd you get here? <laughs> why? Why would you come up here? Or I'm dressed naked or sometimes wearing my cum rag. That's all. <laughs> okay. All right. Yuck. Yucky. Oh, imagine. Yeah. Pewee. I am not the only one who has seen some of them. It has been said by some members of the Mount Everest expedition that an occasional glimpse of one of these naked anchorites. <laughs> That's it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Certainly a story about a woman who is just like... All these men are naked around here, and they're like, "Yeah, that's just what we do." Yeah. <laughs> People are different in different parts of the world, aren't they? How do you guys stay so freaking warm up here? Yeah, yeah I guess we uh, sit on a frozen lake and dip cloths <laughs> in ice and then cover ourselves. You guys are freaking crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely what we do. <laughs> this group of people who have lived in the ice and snow for thousands of years are bloody good at it. <laughs> <laughs> it's freaking chilly up here. Yeah, is it? Uh, yeah. Because goats can live up there, and they're naked. <laughs> not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> wow, the That's... doctor is in. <laughs> this next story is from The Unquiet Sky. The summer of 1902 brought drought and dust storms to Australia. Ah, I remember. 
<laughs> uh, the old water restrictions back in 1902. Boy, that was hard. Do you get like a little kick of excitement when Australia gets a mention and stuff? Only if it's like I stuff do. where it's like it's not normally getting... Like here I'm getting... Like, yeah, here yeah. We go, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Well, I remember when it used to be... If there was ever like an American sitcom that would reference Australia, I'd be like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whenever you see published like a list of most racist countries, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. like, yes. Fuck yeah. That's me. <laughs> yeah, whenever it pops up on John Oliver, I'm always like psyched. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to cop it this week? <laughs> oh, what's he going to say? Our politics are equivalent to a man throwing a bucket of water over his own head. <laughs> it is like that. <laughs> Uh, the trade with trade winds blowing the dust so thickly over the Malay archipelago, archipelago, archipelago. Hell yeah! Yep, you got it. That navigation was hinted. On November twelfth, fireballs began to strike all over the continent. What? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Sorry, I'll say again. <laughs> On November twelfth, nineteen o two, fireballs began to strike all over the continent of yep. Australia. Of Australia, all over. The continent. November the 12th. What was this archipelago? 1902. (laughs) What was this archipelago they mentioned? It was up top, isn't it? Uh, This is uh, thickly over the the Malay archipelago. That'd be like Darwin. Yeah. And fucking... What's that one? What is it? The dust in the air. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you, what you I mean. I have to look at a map. <laughs> the dust in the I'll be right back. But all over the continent. All over the continent. Yeah, right. The dust in the air thickened until residents of Sydney were forced to carry lanterns through the streets. Damn. Wow. Exploding fireballs, meteoric, electrical, or something else were reported from Parramatta and Karkor. I don't think this happened. No. I think it happened. It's in this book. On November 20th, Sir Charles Todd traced a fireball for four minutes over the Adelaide Observatory. Oh, my God. Any meteor moving that slowly should scarcely have been heated enough to glow. The last explosion came over Ipswich, Queensland on November 23rd. Huh. So Australia was freaking covered in fireballs in 1902. That's insane. Man. What? No, it wasn't. <laughs> what do you mean, no, I it wasn't? I feel like I would have heard of that. I'm telling you about it now. You are hearing about it. Huh. I'm going to Google Australia fireballs. Well, Turns what do you out wanna... it's a netball team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're, they're playing the, gets the, the 36s this weekend. <laughs> Australian fireballs. I just, I cannot. 1902. This is the first time. Oh, my God. It is actually. It's a thing? Yeah. Wait. Hold on. You're Fireball on the Lapine? <laughs> <laughs> it's some kind of sport thing, but it doesn't say what. Sport? In conjunction with the International Fireball Association of Australia. Are you looking up the fireball? I've typed in Australian fireballs. 1902. Oh, it's a yacht club thing. Oh, my God. You you are not Googling well. Calling calling a fucking, like, a boat a fireball is tempting fate. There's a band called the Fireballs. I think calling a boat the unsinkable (laughs) is really tempting fate. The come on, give it a go. Titanic 2. Try and fucking sink me. Uh, Australian meteor, late night fireball. Okay, I guess it was, there was just a meteor shower oh. in 1902. Uh, I mean, yep, there sure was. It's in the National Library. Oh, whoa! It happened in the National Library yeah, as that's well. That's a shit place for that fireball to end up. <laughs> Let's have a look. Yep, meteor shower across Australia in 1902. Huh. Yep, 
All right. It is cooler if they're fireballs, though. Yeah, that's a, that is a, a lot more a of Dugan. An, a mysterious way <laughs> to explain a natural phenomenon. All right, this next story is from uh, Monster. You know what else happened in 1902? Um, one year anniversary of Federation. No. <laughs> well, yeah, but... <laughs> uh, <laughs> a few things. Australian women got the right to vote. Nice. New Idea and then magazine the, then is the first published. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. I bloody told you. We fucking shouldn't have done it. They voted for this to happen. What's going to happen? The end of the world? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And well, this is just an unlucky coincidence. <laughs> then New Idea magazine came out, did you say? New Idea was first published. Well, we're allowed to vote, but who's going to tell us who for? <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a new idea. <laughs> and that's about it. Brisbane was declared a city. <laughs> and then promptly rained fire rained down from the heavens. <laughs> right. All right. This next story is from uh, the section Monsters and More. Who's this guy? No, we'll find out another day. Good, Friday, <laughs> different day. Good photo, though. Russian lake monsters were in the news again in the 1970s. Oh, not again. <laughs> <laughs> For they'd formed a pedophile ring. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, we'll make them like monsters. They're just regular fish, but they, they're pedophiles. They were men that lived by the lake. <laughs> <laughs> they they weren't, didn't even live in Russia. Yeah. Hearing, t- uh, hearing tales of a huge water snake in the Doshabul region of the Soviet Republic of Kazakhstan in Central Asia, geographer Anatoly Pesky and his son Volodya spent their 1975 vacation besides Lake Kolkol. Sorry, Lake Kokkol. <laughs> Uh, That's what those bloody llamas had up in the snow. <laughs> Cole Cox? Cole Cox. Put some fucking pants on there. Nah, I'm showing off. <laughs> One day while Pekersky. Excuse? Sorry. Gesundheit. One day while Pekersky and his son were on the shore, the surface of the lake, about 25 feet out, broke into deep ripples Whoa. and a snake like monster reared up through the churning water. Its massive head was about six feet long. That is a massive head. That is, look that at that fucking head. head on that guy. <laughs> 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 Just making fun of him for it. Hey, big head. Uh, what do you say to big head? Da, da, look at this. Uh, no, what, what's the Russian? Uh, the one, two, three. Let's go around Russian accent. Okay. His head is bigger than mine. <laughs> <laughs> In Russia. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, what, do, what do I say? His, his head is big Big uh, snake Big snake Big, big, big snake s- head In I, Russia, snake spot you <laughs> I want you In Russia, head measure in feet <laughs> And feet measure in head <laughs> He's got six foot head And six head foot <laughs> He's a square of a man <laughs> <laughs> he is six by six foot head. <laughs> uh, its massive head was about six feet long, and its thick serpentine body was, by Perkhersky's per- estimate, fifty feet long. Jesus, fifty feet. His head is about twenty-three. I mean, his body is twenty-three heads long. <laughs> long, long. You've got to put K at the end of words. Mr. Bond. Mr. Bond. (laughs) Get a lot of this head. (laughs) Head. It's a big head. (laughs) 
Big on... body. <laughs> you are my son. <laughs> <laughs> Terrified, Pekersky called a warning to his son and scrambled up a steep embankment to get his gun. <laughs> son, watch out. I'm going to scramble away. <laughs> I wish we'd have come down steps, but unfortunately we fell down this cliff, so I have to scramble back up. I it. left my gun up the embankment. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> The monster was still in view by the time father and son returned to the lakeshore, but within moments it began to submerge. As it sank and the water swirled over it, Pekersky realised that he could easily have picked up either the still camera or the movie camera instead of his gun. (laughs) Good lord. Oh, Oh, no. I have two cameras. Absolutely (laughs) fucked this up. I knew I had to shoot it, but I used the wrong equipment to shoot it. (laughs) There you go. Is is this a little bit Russian? Yeah, it sounds good to me. It sounds okay. <laughs> well, let's just ask any of the Russian agents currently listening to this uh, conversation. Uh, is this good? You are nailing it. <laughs> uh, cheers, Vlad. <laughs> That's Vlad, the Russian agent who's always listening to these conversations, just big, in case we, we release big secrets. Big shout out to Vlad. He's on the Patreon as well. <laughs> <laughs> He's the only one. He actually created it. Do you reckon that has to happen? Because <laughs> I guess there's no podcast that government agencies are probably listening to. <laughs> but if there is, do you reckon they're paying Patreon fees to listen to the bonus episode? <laughs> <laughs> they can probably just tap it. They can probably it just somehow. get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Joe Rogan's Patreon subscribers are mostly bots. <laughs> he has a lot of conspiracy theorists on there. We have to listen. Honestly, that Jordan Peterson, he has some good ideas. <laughs> All right, the final story. Have uh, you ever done DMT? (laughs) Is from Beyond the Walls of Russian Joe Rogan. (laughs) Pull up that video of man being beheaded. (laughs) That is funny, no? (laughs) It's crazy, man. (laughs) The the government just, you know, it's crazy, man. It it is crazy, man. Uh, beyond the, the final story is from Beyond the Walls of Time. Beyond the Walls of Time. 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 So, <laughs> some call him the Warlock of the Glen. Ah. Some and call uh, him the Space Cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> others call him Maurice. <laughs> and others, the Brian Seer. His real name the was. What Seer? Uh, Brahan. Brian. Brian. Brian Singer. Brian. <laughs> Brian Singer. Brian Singer. <laughs> Others call him Brian Singer. Uh oh. The rest shit. call him Wanted. <laughs> His name has been removed from. <laughs> His real name was Coin Each. <laughs> Coin Each. Okay. Communist, eh? Coin Each Odhar in Gaelic or Kenneth McKenzie in English. Oh, Kenneth. <laughs> Gaelic's crazy. That's one. Coin Each Odhar. What? Just Kenneth. call me Kenneth Don't worry about McKenzie. It. Kenneth McKenzie. Call me the Warlock of the Glen. You'd pronounce it Kenneth McKenzie. <laughs> or Brian Seer? Warlock yeah. of the Glen? <laughs> Kenneth? Ken. You can call me Ken. Ken. Mr. McKenzie? <laughs> Kenny. That's the only one I don't like. <laughs> Coiny. No. Nah. No, 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 no. No, He lived in Scotland in the 17th century. The seer, who looked into the future through a hole in a white stone... Is said to be who to have foreseen the bloody battle of Culloden and the cutting of the Caledonian Canal, the narrow lock leading linking waterway that runs across Scotland from Loch Linney in the southwest to the Moray Firth at Inverness. But what Mackenzie is most famed for is undoubtedly the doom of the Seafords. Oh no. Sorry. 
the doom of the sea fourths. <laughs> I said sea thirds, but it's actually the sea fourths. <laughs> okay, okay. The story of the doom begins in 1660 when the Earl of Seaforth travelled from Brayan Castle, his home, to Paris. Leaving behind his wife, Isabella, oh. a woman reputedly as ugly as she was violent and uncouth. Oh, no. <laughs> wow. I no uh, just want to be clear. Not, not only is my, my wife violent and uncouth, but <laughs> fuck, she's hideous. <laughs> I can stand a violent, uncouth person if they're a bit of a looker. <laughs> someone's bashing me, but I'm like, hey, that is a well put together fist. <laughs> Yeah, we just want to be clear. Does anybody object? We all object to this marriage. <laughs> She's violent, uncouth, and what does he see in her? She's a fucko. I wonder if she's gotten quite violent and uncouth because people have called her very ugly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> she just gets more and more violent, more uncouth, the more you say she's ugly. <laughs> Time passed. This is after he left for Paris. Uh-huh. Tends to happen. The day of the Earl's scheduled return to Brain came and went, and still he remained in Paris. <laughs> Hard to imagine. Yeah. <laughs> Slowly it dawned on Isabella that her husband might have found more pleasant company in Paris. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucking dog, mate. <laughs> I come on, I bash your fucking head in, lad. She's yelling. And you can hear her sort of in Paris. She's yelling at a... Pa- Postcard from Paris. I'm surprised this didn't dawn on me quicker, <laughs> but it dawned quite slowly. <laughs> he kept calling me ugly. <laughs> As they got on the boat, he said, You are uncouth, unkind, and unattractive. <laughs> and I said, See you in six months. <laughs> You'll be back at your predetermined time. <laughs> I cannot do a Scottish accent. <laughs> It doesn't matter. Just Russian for the rest. <laughs> yeah, Russian. Day by day, the certainty that the Earl was deceiving her grew stronger, and so did her jealousy. <laughs> One night, when the big hall at Brain was crowded with guests, she summoned the seer. The big hall. <laughs> <laughs> we go go down the big hall. Go to the big hall tonight, lads. <laughs> Do you want to go to the little hall tonight? <coughs> no. <laughs> Let's go to the big hall. It's more fun there. It's bigger. <laughs> who's, who's calling us to the big hall? Well, you know, the big hall. <laughs> <laughs> He's having us down. Uh, she summoned the seer and asked him if he could see her husband through his viewing stone. Oh, right. I forgot about him. Mackenzie. Kenny. Kenny. <laughs> Coinage. Coiny. Uh, Coinzy. Put the stone to his eye and was overcome with laughter. He <laughs> shook it and it said, ask again later. <laughs> what was he laughing at? What the fucking laughing at there, lad? What was he laughing at, Isabella demanded. He refused to tell her. <laughs> I reckon, I'm going to fucking bash your head in. Yeah, that might make her get a little uncouth and violent. You're laughing at my fucking teeth, aren't you? <laughs> A fury mounting, Isabella insisted, and at last the Brian Seer told her that what he saw, sorry, told her that he saw the Earl with one girl on his knee and another stroking his hair. The funniest image. It's <laughs> <laughs> <That is> funny. <laughs> Isabella's rage at the news was uncontrollable, and she ordered her servants to seize the sage. <laughs> uh-huh. 
I regret this immediately. <laughs> He's talking shy about <laughs> me husband. <laughs> oh, but I'm Scottish. Scottish. Uh, He's got a stone on his eye. <laughs> <laughs> I pulled up. I saw my husband. He's seen one girl stroking his hair. <laughs> he put a stone on his eye. Then he was laughing. Then he started jerking off. <laughs> He's a weed <laughs> fucking cunt. <laughs> Some accounts say that she had him hanged there in Brian Castle. What? Oh. I thought only I'd seen this coming. <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, but just reporting what he'd seen. Yeah. It's not his fault. Get and out. Oh, lady. So some reports said that he had, he had him hanged and others that she charged him before the authorities with practicing witchcraft and that as a result he was burned to death in a barrel of tar. Well, that's fair enough. He was practicing <laughs> witchcraft. <laughs> He also laughed. He's like, "You're not going to believe this. (laughs) Oh, your husband's definitely cheating on you." Why is this man get in the barrel of tar? (laughs) No. Why is this guy so bound to telling the truth? Like, she's here. She got servants. She's pretty mad. (laughs) I'll tell her though. She deserves to know. (laughs) And I'll tell her pretty rudely. I'm going to laugh about it. I'd be like, "Uh, "He's on the way back." (laughs) In either case, all sources agree that before he died in six. 1963, Mackenzie pronounced the famous doom of the Seaforths as follows. I see into the future and I read the doom of the race of my oppressor. The long descended line of Seaforth will, er, many generations have passed, end in extinction and sorrow. So the Seaforths are a family. The Seaforths are the family that she's from. Oh. The old uncouth lady. She's a member of the Seaforths. But she's old now, is she? Uh Uh-oh. You think old people are ugly, do you, Pete? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> What's the right answer? I think I'm fucking old, don't you? <laughs> I said, she's here. I'm 23. <laughs> oh, you look good. <laughs> Thank you. I see a chief, the last of his house, both, both deaf and dumb. He will be the father of four fair sons, all of whom he will follow to the tomb. He will live careworn and die mourning, knowing that the honours of his line are to be extinguished forever and that no future chief of the Mackenzies shall bear rule at Brayan or in Kintail. After lamenting over the last and most promising of his sons, he himself shall sink into the grave and the remnant of his possessions shall be inherited by a white coiffed lassie from the east. Sink into his grave. This grave's made of quicksand. <laughs> I shouldn't have stood near. <laughs> a, white coi- a white coiffed lassie from the east and she is to kill her sister. And as a sign by which it may be known that these things are coming to pass, there shall be four great lads. In the day of the last death. Four great lads. They're going <laughs> to hit the piss. <laughs> They're my best friends. <laughs> In the days of the last deaf and dumb Seaforth, Gaelock, Chisholm, Grant, and Rassy. Ah, Rassy. Rassy. <laughs> <laughs> of whom one shall be bucktooth, another hair-lipped, another half-witted, and the fourth, a stammerer. The worst of all. Oh, no. <laughs> Chiefs distinguished by these personal marks shall be the allies and neighbours of the last Seaforth. And when he looks around him and sees them, he may know that his sons are doomed to death, that his broad lands shall pass away to the stranger, and that his race shall come to an end. How did he predict all that, but didn't predict he'd end up in a barrel of tar? <laughs> <laughs> For the next 135 years... So when Jesus. did he predict this? It's a long play, but when it pays, it pays. <laughs> when did he predict this? 16, Before the tar. 16, so as On was, the way to the tar. Yeah, oh, yeah. okay. 
the next 135 years. I've been keeping this one in me back pocket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because they were going to kill him. Because they were going to kill him. Like, well, you Sounds like he's trying to get out of it. Like, yeah, if yeah, you yeah. kill me, you'll fucking die. Your son will be hair lipped. <laughs> oh, you mean he'll have a mustache? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. You know, like that little bit in the lip <laughs> where it's like, ugh. <laughs> You're like, what's going on? <laughs> For the next 135 years, the fortunes of the Seaforth family waxed and waned in the revolution of 1688. They supported James II, the Roman Catholic king who fled to France. And in 1715, they supported his son James, the old pretender. <laughs> Should have known, known he was no good when his nickname was the Old Pretender. <laughs> this guy's going to take the fr- uh, throne. Who? You know, the Old Pretender. <laughs> hey, I'm the king for sure. Yep. Here I am. And I will walk. <laughs> and I will walk 500 miles. <laughs> the yeah. Old Pretender. It's got to be. It's got to be really hard to come up with a, co- a name for a cover band of the Pretenders. Yeah. <laughs> For their pains, for their pains, they were stripped of their lands and title. By the mid 18th century, the political loyalties of the Seaforths brought them back into royal favour. And by 1783, when Francis Humberston Mackenzie inherited the estates, their lands and fortified title had been restored. Everything was back to good. Ha! That guy was wrong. The wizard was wrong. By this time, the doom of the Seaforths was little more than a vague memory. The new lord had four sons and six daughters. And though Scarlet Fever had left him deaf and dumb in his childhood, he later recovered his power of speech, so it didn't leave him deaf and dumb. <laughs> there seemed little chance that the Seaforth line was coming to an end. As for his neighbours, it could be no more than a sinister coincidence that Mackenzie of Gaylark should be Bucktooth, that Chisholm of Chisholm should have a hair lip. <laughs> What's your name? Chisholm. Of? Chisholm. Chisholm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, that Grant of Grant should be a half-wit. And that McLeod of Rasse, an incurable stammerer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you've From, got a buck. T- we can quite clearly see that you've got a buck too, yeah. and that you have a hair lip, and you have a stammer, <laughs> and, then, and you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> The last guy was stammering because he was afraid of, like, he saw all his brothers and was like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> I'm going to die. Ah, oh, we know Grant of Grant's a half-wit. What? Yeah, you're an idiot. Yeah, take that, Grant. <laughs> and he looks at Chisholm. <laughs> hey, we're pretty lucky we got the buck tooth, we got the stabber, we got the hair lip, but lucky I'm a smart man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> it's lucky that me, Grant of Grant, is the smartest man around. Again, your name's McLaughlin. <laughs> yes. Grant. <laughs> Grant of Grant. <laughs> they call me Great Grant. <laughs> they don't. They call you a halfwit. <laughs> what? <laughs> Mate, I thought they were saying half dick <laughs> on account of me half dick. No, I'm <laughs> that I accidentally miss. chopped off one day because I'm an idiot. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I, got, I got a wit half full. That's the way I look at it. I'm optimistic about it. And you, keep- I'm optometrist about it. <laughs> then one of the Seaforth sons died. Uh oh. Then another, and then still another. The fourth boy was now in poor health. Which one is it? And the father sent him to England for medical treatment. Despite this, the fourth and last son also died. As the warlock had prophesied, the deaf and dumb lord outlived all his sons. And when he died in 1815, the Seaforth title lapped. The f- lapsed. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the first part of the doom had been fulfilled precisely. Seaforth's estates were inherited by his daughter, Mary Elizabeth Frederica. 
She had married Sir Samuel Hood, an admiral who, after serving with Nelson in the Battle of the Nile, had become commander-in-chief of the East Indies, a position that took him and Mary to India. Sir Samuel died died at Madras uh, shortly before Lord Seaforth. He drowned in a whole bucket of Madras. (laughs) (laughs) A vat of Madras. (laughs) I should have eaten the korma! (laughs) Mary came home wearing the traditional widow's white cape. Uh, Mary. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, One thing. (laughs) Here I am, traditional white cape. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sad. (laughs) Oh, you're going to hate this. (laughs) (laughs) Wearing a cape at a funeral. (laughs) (laughs) As the Doom said they would, the Seaforth lands had passed into the hands of a, a white coif lassie from the east. Shit. In fact, the Seaforth estate. Quiffed? Like what? hair? Quiffed. Quiffed. C O I F F E D? Yeah. Quiffed? No, C O I F E D. Coiffed. 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 You know, know, when you fight out your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, <laughs> the Seaforth estate was. It's when a coin comes out of your vagina, it's a <laughs> coif. In fact, the Seaforth estate was by now much diminished by mismanagement. Extravagant, extravagance and government fines. Mary found We've herself. We've been spending so much on funeral camps. <laughs> Mary found herself obliged to sell still more of the property, including the Isle of Lewis. <laughs> no, not the Isle of Lewis. <laughs> it's me only Isle. Don't sell me island. I love it here. Get off the island, Lewis. It's not yours. No, anymore. no. No, we've sold it, Lewis. No, I'm staying. I'm not going. Swim in. No. No, you can't come get me. I'm on an island. Piece by piece, the broad lands of the Seaforths were indeed passing away to the stranger. The last chapter in the fulfilment of the doom of the Seaforths occurred a few years later as Mary was taking her younger sister Caroline for a drive through the woods in a pony carriage. Without warning, the ponies bolted. And Usually they... a pony will warn you if it's about to bolt. Heads up. <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm going to have a full-on trot in a second. Without warning, hold on. the ponies bolted and the carriage was overturned. Mary was cut and bruised, but her sister died from the injuries. The lassie from the east had killed her sister or had at least been instrumental in her death, just as Kenneth Mackenzie had foretold. Damn. The doom of the Seaforths was true. That guy with the rock on his eye was right. (laughs) I wonder he had a little laugh before he told her. (laughs) At least that French, uh, that that husband guy got to go to France and be Polly. (laughs) (laughs) He's fine. I don't think it's Polly when you're cheating. (laughs) (laughs) Can't believe that definitely inbred family who made (laughs) four definitely inbred sons all died young. Yeah, Yeah. they didn't make it. Well, it's a crazy story about how everyone in Scotland used to fuck their sisters, it sounds like. <laughs> oh, I don't sister. think that was in there at all. Well, uh, it's the only way I know to make a hair lip. <laughs> <laughs> the people with the hair lip were not the sons, they were the neighbours. Huh? The hair lip, the moron, the stutterer and the oh, ugly, <laughs> they were not the sons, they were the neighbours. Oh, they were the neighbours. Mm, that was oh. part of the prophecy, was that your neighbours will all be weird. <laughs> I see. Right. Yeah. Oh, I missed that part. Yeah, same. I thought it was all connected. Well, uh, congratulations on that man for being prophetic And congratulations on us for being pathetic Prophetic (laughs) Prophetic Prophetic That's another episode of Ooh Spooky We'll be back next week with a little bit more of a podcast Um, Nothing to plug at the end of this one No, just follow the podcast social media Yep 
because I'm I'm disappointed in the numbers. <laughs> we have a great amount of listeners that I love, but our social media numbers bloody suck. Yeah, go like Twitter and the Facebook page because we only post it's all ooh spooky, ooh spooky. spooky and on a, a personals as well, I suppose. We will yeah. be doing a live show at some point. As oh well, dear, and that's where the news is going to come from. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be on our socials. Is. So jump on them to find out more information yeah. about that. If you like Game of Thrones or video games, I've got two other podcasts that are about them. Are you talking to me? Is about Game of Thrones and Filthy Casuals about video games. If you want to ever have a listen to them, what's your uh, Twitter handle, Adam Knox? At Adam G Knox. And what's your Twitter handle, Luca Muller? Luca C Muller. And Peter Jones, what's your Twitter handle? Don't worry about it. <laughs> Peter the <laughs> no, Jones. No, it's Peter the Jones. Peter, Peter the Jones. The Jones. Uh, and we'll be back next the week.